Yo, 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 yo. Wagwan. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Void Season 3. And this is just not Void. We're now Void Media everywhere. Um, That's right. Yeah, and as we begin the new season, we have a, you know, special announcement. The team just expanded. We have a new member joining the Void Media group. You know, it was needed, a much needed addition. And yeah, yeah so what's your, what's your introduces himself and then we will start with the topic. All right. Hello, hello. It's Stanley Owilo, aka El Chapo, aka the Sauce <laughs> Boss. Um entrepreneur here in Nairobi. And uh, you know, I'm all about Kenya for Kenya, Africans by Africans, you know, we're here to change the world and I think that's this is where it starts, you know. Yes, sir. And I mean, many of you guys know him as the source was, as he said, but he's now a financial guru. There's, there's, a, there's a nice little platform he's going to plug for himself later on. A cool blog for many of you financial interests out there. We're going to talk about that later on. And it fits in well with today's topic of discussion. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about... Well, basically, larger economic policy decisions focusing on how the most recent lockdown is affecting the Kenyan economy. So, of course, we get an opinion from the newest, most disruptive team member, Mr. Stan El Chapo. Give us your opinions on the lockdown. So I feel like this lockdown, its intentions are well placed, but its execution is completely out of place so why i'm saying that is because you know we're comparing our country to big big players in this COVID thing i don't want to turn it into like a i don't want to face it as a you know like a basketball game or something but you know there's <laughs> there's huge things going on in the north where you're having thousands of people dying on a daily basis and here, you know, the numbers just aren't the same, yet we're trying to implement the same kind of strategies, you understand? Yeah. So that being done in an already somewhat crippled economy because of poor decisions, corruption, and uh, coupled with things like fuel prices rising, you know, it's just, it's like a, it's a KO for the Kenyan people. True, bro. So hard to handle. And it's only... It's only a miracle that people are getting through their days under such conditions. I have to agree with that, honestly, because, of course, if you have the platform or the device to listen to this podcast, you can consider yourself privileged because there's someone out there that gets up at six in the morning or four in the morning just to walk to somewhere where they can hawk on the streets. Then they get home late. They're beaten by the police because they're trying to get home. And you don't have the option not to. You can't just stay at home because you need to get out and grind for some money. You know, you can consider maybe these people are Majengo, someone are hawks on the street. Basically, the the foundation of Kenya's economy are struggling the most because of this lockdown. And at the end of the day, the president, His Excellency Jaden, will turn around and say that the, the lockdown is for the good of the people, you know. But if you look at the reality, the COVID pandemic, um, ever since it was introduced to Kenya specifically, it's killed about 2,100 people or 300. Uh, most recent statistics, 
and you look at some other disease that's much more of a plague like cholera, it's killed about double the amount of people, man. About 4,000 people died in 2014 from cholera, a disease that can be, you know, prevented by clean drinking water, something that every basic human deserves. So the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown, let's take a personal stance. Buona Eugene, how did this, how did this lockdown even affect you as as a young entrepreneur, someone who grinds, how do you feel it affected you? Which lockdown? This one right now, the one the first the most recent one. Yeah, the most recent one. Uh, to be honest, it's not really changed much. <laughs> for my personal exactly. life, it's not really changed a lot. But for a lot of people, um, it has. You know, and me, it's not even about the lockdown, dude. It's, I'm just concerned about the economy, you know? Um, just you know, it's not the region. In what aspect? Like, what elements of the economy do you feel like are at risk? All sectors of the economy. I feel like this this country is is, is slowly walking down an escalator to a crash. That's true, actually. Especially in terms of yeah. how, like tourism. You know, I mean, for you to understand how bad this is for Kenya, the government actually permitted international tourism to carry on so yani if you're a member from the uk you can take like a flight down to masai mara for the weekend and then go back because the kenyan economy needs that revenue that badly bro you know that's so that's my concern you know the complete drop in revenue without any major plans to recover it and it's not even it's not even in the private sector because the private sector is doing well it's the government that are very scared of mm-hmm. You know, as I've been talking about debt, 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 debt. People talk about it a lot. This is a, we, are, we can very easily default on many of the loans that have been given to this country. I'm not sure this is verifiable. Uh, the government has refused it. But at a point, I remember they were saying that the SGR's collateral is the Mombasa port. <laughs> so if we, do, if we do default on the payment for the SGR, China will seize the Mombasa port, but That's but irony to the best man, because the, the the whole purpose of the SGR was to connect the port to the internal of Kenya, yeah. Yeah, man, and okay, all I've said, but as much as I can see, um, the government keeps denying it, but you know it's the Kenyan government; you can't trust them. Until things give me Omana, you hear the Mombasa port has been given to another country, but anyway, that's where I'm concerned: the drop in revenue and the uptake in debt. Which, which business could you ever go to, bro, unless you're in a startup where you take on debt and you don't have revenue to offset it? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Only, startups, only startups do that kind of magic, bro. Mm-hmm. Only startups take on debt to create more value in the future and pay off that debt. Obviously, governments could do the same, but they can't. As we know, the African governments are, for lack of a better term, just full of shit. Hey, yeah, lack of accountability. <laughs> Put it technically, my they're, guy. They're mismanaged. They have no accountability. They, 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 they operate like I don't even know what they operate like. But they don't even operate like a business. They, 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 they run the most inefficient business in the world. I mean, a whole spokesman yes. woke up and said the government is not a business. That's exactly what the government is. You're taxing us. You're taking the revenue. You're spending something on it. You have some assets somewhere. You have government has a balance sheet. See, that's a business. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but, I mean, um, can, you, can you really think of a country and a country's government like a business? Because at the end of the day, there's people who are living and depending off of the decisions you make as a government. Obviously, obviously, but really, let me tell you, you know, 
the people who depend on those decisions, where do, which kind of people are there? I mean, the people who are uh, workers, the people who work in construction, basically the working class, lower, lower to middle working class. Who do you class. really, let me, do you really think, do you, do you really think the, the Kenyan government is, like, like you said, those guys in construction, who funds most of those constructions? Private entities. Where is that capital coming from? Private entities. Might have gotten a loan to the government, but who's funded it? A private entity. Private entities are the baseline of this country. What do you think, Um, I would say that the government really puts in the policies to... It's, it's not even to address the people, because if it was the people, then we'd have more social initiatives, we'd have more food drives, we'd have more cleanups, things like that. Mm -hmm. But that's never the case, you know. Uh, I feel like a lot of policies are put in place for business owners and more large corporations rather than MSMEs because, you know, they're the taxpayers. So if they're not kept happy, you know, it's a big world. They'll be able to leave this country and actually go continue their operations elsewhere. So Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the decisions that are made aren't for the people. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. In my opinion, actually, well, most of the leadership initiatives in Kenya have been for sure. I mean, the most basic example was Kidero grass. I don't know, someone put some 10 million shillings into some grass on some highway that didn't grow. And of course, more recently, you have stuff happening like the, the, the new super highway that's being built all the way from the airport along Mombasa Road. That's, that's initiative, while it works well on paper and everything. The funniest thing is it's not being funded or constructed by the Kenyan government. That's actually one of the reasons it's, go, it's, it's gone up so fast. So basically, what the government agreed to with a private institution, a private Chinese institution, um, they agreed that, okay, you bring your money, you bring your workers, you build this up, and then you can take the revenue for the next 20 years. Just like oil with Turkana, the Chinese private institution is going to get 100% of the revenue from that new bypass for the next 20 years. But... The leadership in place right now, the current leadership is going to get the credit for, oh, we put up the biggest, most advanced infrastructure the country has ever seen. We managed to put up this, boost trade, whatever. But if you look at it from paper, the country isn't benefiting at all from that highway. Trade hasn't gone up. There hasn't been any improvements. And so people are looking more to have a show and put on just landmarks of what they've done, but they're not focused on making a long lasting impact, like having more programs over more ruling offices over more terms. That's how, that's how presidents make change. You agree with the next and the next president coming to office, that is what we wanna do, this is how I wanna do it. But is that something Kenyan and at large African governments are even capable of doing in your opinion? I don't think so, because I feel like a lot of our leaders, I don't want to mention names specifically, have a sort of selfish child mindset. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, they would rather make decisions based off of how it would benefit them and those around them more than how it would benefit the greater population. understand? So in terms of coming together, you know, everyone will be 
in one room with a personal agenda rather than a whole idea you know there don't be any synergy so i feel mm-hmm. like that's why even if projects do start and you know they'll start they'll try and take off but quite frankly seeing them through till the end you know keeping something or rather creating something that has longevity it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a it's going to be a far cry before yeah. we see something work yeah. out like that for sure bro and now i mean since we're not just in the business of complaining or trying to look for solutions here let's say you're the president let's say you're the president starting with Eugene would you would you have chosen to knock down the economy wait what if you're the president of the country mm. would you have chosen to lock down the economy okay. the way the government um i would not number one, the region that has been locked down contributes 40% of Kenya's economy yeah. 40% of the economy is contributed from those five regions that are being locked down i would have not really locked down the economy in fact I ramped up vaccination and looked for ways to start reopening my economy to become the first, one of the first in Africa to be the you know completely vaccinated and ready to go back to the industry people will flow back no, into the continent like... but obviously I don't have the same data that you have I don't have the health data you understand mm-hmm. I mean I see you beds are full you know mm-hmm. and yeah. That I, I I genuinely hope that the president made a decision based based on health data rather than some other stuff. Just a political. But if I did, I, if I, really, I had that data, I I believe that data is what made that decision. If I had that data, I'll be able to make a complete decision. But yeah, that's what made think. I mean, in his in his public address, he even said after after riots, both on social media and in. in the town on the streets he said that the decision he made was after going through a lot of the data that was put out by medical experts but again even if you're looking at that data and you're looking at the infection with covid-19 but as a pandemic as a whole it's not really as fatal as other diseases you could say cholera you have even drunk driving you can say a uh, domestic abuse all of these are other issues that have been basically untouched in Kenya for the last 60 70 years of independence i'm not sure how long kenya has been independent for and they take more lives than the covid-19 pandemic has in a year and i don't know from my perspective it doesn't seem like a worthy effort um it just shows it goes to show how much governments will do when there's financial rewards at stake i guess what what do you think stan as the president president stanley would you close the government president chapo president, would, uh, <laughs> president chapo wouldn't really have that lockdown though it's been had you understand what mm-hmm. i'm saying i would yeah. encourage people and this could be a double edged sword actually but i would encourage people to depopulate nairobi you understand what i'm saying like those who feel like oh. their work here can be done offline they should go to shags or something you know stay under the moh protocols where you're wearing a mask you're sanitizing you're washing your hands and you're not in crowded places you know because yeah while saying it's a double edged sword is that you could depopulate the city 
But then again, you could do that and people with the virus go and spread it elsewhere where cases weren't as mm-hmm. heavy, you understand? So uh-huh. in terms of lockdown, I wouldn't really do it because right now, I think the most important industries like the food industry and transport sector, those are the ones that are really suffering. But, you know, office jobs and uh, people who are doing audits and law firms, you know, they're not so bad off. And those are, those are things you can do from home, you can do remotely, even if you're in a different country. You can do that. So I wouldn't lock it down yeah. because, you know, you're really, you're hitting the problem with the hammer rather than trying to figure out what it is, you know, just hoping that hitting it will make it go away. Yeah. So I would, I would I adopt that. a I different strategy. Maybe what I've said isn't the best strategy, but I wouldn't lock it down. No. Actually, that makes sense actually for other issues, man, because. Let's look at maybe crime rate as an example. Many people are flooding into the into the county looking for jobs. They don't get some. They resort to criminal activities. If you manage to decentralize the population of Kenya from this one point in Nairobi to back to rural areas, you have urban to rural migration. You manage to get the population of Nairobi so much more diversified. And of course, you have to put up measures like testing before you move out, you have to get documentation that could work so you can keep track of everybody. And another thing, this one is very clear and simple, as as people with a platform to tell you guys this listening, please be fucking responsible as a citizen of Kenya, man, because I'm speaking personally because I know I'm part of this group, but you can't be going to places like 40s and taking off your mask and doing this and that. And you expect the COVID cases not to rise. So if you want to get through this as a country, you have to be together as one on this, man. At least if you're going out, do so responsibly. Try and keep some distance and everything. I see people linking up house parties. You're keeping some distance. That's right. That is it. As a citizen, you're still managing to have fun and you're taking into consideration the fact that if the cases continue to rise, his Excellency Jaden will be forced to make decisions that we don't like. <laughs> but <laughs> you can't you can't be thinking that you have to get the best of both worlds. We all have to make such races, man. People are dying out here. But, People are losing family members. So it's not that bad right. for you to just sacrifice. Decisions of you, yeah. you know? Let me ask you guys, like for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Lit- malaria poses more risk to Africans than COVID. <laughs> Quite frankly. <laughs> Speaking from we have 80% asymptomatic rate, literally 5% mortality rate. As a Nairobian, you shouldn't really worry or you can't really relate because there's no malaria carrying mosquitoes. Wait, what do you mean? Nairobi. There's a time I used to get munched by those mosquitoes, bro. Yeah, but, nah, but the malaria is not that carrying yeah. the virus. I mean, Malaria. They're in Nairobi. Yeah, they all has been. What you mean? Okay, okay, okay. From what I've heard, that, that it's not easy to catch malaria. In anyway. But in rural areas, it's much more common exactly. to find those anopheles mosquitoes that can transmit malaria where people don't have nets, where people don't have closed homes and everything. So it's so much easier and, for them to die. And yeah. you, you know, one other thing is biologically we are we are really we're advantaged against this virus africa is young number two as i told <laughs> you it's even about being young living the developed world as they like to call themselves 
concrete structures everywhere, all this stuff. What they don't realize is by putting up concrete, they completely eliminate bacteria that's needed in their day-to-day lives, bacteria that they've had been living with for the last five million years, even since they started existing. You get this bacteria is essential to human surviving most diseases. Africans still have a lot of that bacteria. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so sure. we, we, we are at a much more advantaged position for COVID. And, and that's why you could have, like, people completely just brushed it aside, bro. I mean, Kenyans have gone through too much, bro. Two billion gets lost every day. And was, I, I stay home for COVID. The hell? <laughs> no, what do you mean? I've seen. And, you know, to add, uh, to, add to the malaria situation, a lot of mm-hmm. it not being in Nairobi has to do with the quality of water. You know, yeah. there's nowhere for these mosquitoes to breed after they suck blood from you or me you understand so the population just isn't high enough for them to effectively spread malaria that's true and mosquitoes have a very very short life you know anyway they're much bigger problems than covid19 and me as i keep telling you the biggest problem is economically it's not now this we need to take our whole continent perspective yeah Too many, too many assets and collaterals have been, too many important resources in the continent have been put up as collateral. Yeah. How does that work? But so, it's all we so, have, so, you understand? Like, what else would be? No, no, no. Let me ask you. In the US, did you once take a loan from China, they, they put the, the, they put JFK as collateral. They put the White <laughs> no, House. They have, look, the US can't be compared to a nation like when Kenya or when south korea like was taking a loan from kenya you think they put the airport as collateral what did they put as collateral actually the collateral i think that's what i even need to find out but they're not they, you know such they're not such they usually con, um you know how credit facilities work you have a credit oh, score yeah. you don't put up collateral oh. for most things if you default yeah. then you take it to court and the money is recovered from that you understand but you see now if you're in a position where the nation isn't developed to the point where you have such a relationship with the country you can't offer them such an option because let's say kenya for example the first couple of loans we took we might not even have paid them back yet we're still at the point where we're risking defaulting loans from china mm-hmm. and then that's why we need collateral so maybe for the first few loans you could look towards some sort of collateral but then maybe after you built up a relationship, a lasting relationship with the country, you can look to other terms where you have better terms, you have better percentages, interest rates, and you're at a point where you can do back and forth loans or back and forth agreements, like between the European Union, for example, you know. But to add to that, mm-hmm. I would say that you should, I don't think you should put all your collateral in one basket. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's a matter of risking the port in in the face of trying to build something else, that's dumb. Just risk a section of it. Find another section of some other piece of infrastructure. Put that in there. But I don't know. I don't know. Oh, diversifying. Oh, my God. You guys know Zambia defaulted on a loan. Everything of one thing, you know? When was that? How recent? Zambia was the first African country to default on a loan back in 2019. And ever since... Wait, so what were the repercussions? The economy has basically been um, oh the economy God. has basically moved to Chinese ownership. All the businesses are Chinese owned, all the constructions. China wants to take over state owned enterprises, they probably will. Um 
they might take over the copper mines. Um, wow. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. It's not, this is generally not funny, bro. Like, like I'm, 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 I'm reading this from a perspective of a local who is literally wondering how everything went to Chinese hands. Honestly, you just see, you just see some Chinese popping up in your village. The roads belong to China, the hotel belongs to China, the chicken farms are Chinese, the breakworks are Chinese. I'm not saying I hate Chinese or anything. You understand? Well, we have nothing against the Chinese, but these are predatory no, but this measures. Is a, this is a lesson. This is a predatory measures that need to be removed. And you know, so let me give you another example. You know what guys don't realize is, I don't understand why we're so dependent on the Western world. But obviously, right, we won't get money from someone. We, right, we don't, we, let's say we don't need to get money from someone else. Africa's, Africa's GDP as a continent, what is it? Hmm. What a couple billion, an entire continent. There you've covered the entire story, bro. Uh, <laughs> the hell, I'm trying to see what it is. It's around it's Africa GDP, yeah. Total, yeah. Um, it's 362 billion. Oh, no, that's, that's Egypt. That's Sorry Egypt. about that. Uh, uh, it's 29 trillion uh, by 2050. Uh, so, maybe anyway, that's by 20. Listen. Yeah. This is let me tell you. Let me give you guys a real oh, life 2. example. Oh, two point six, two point six trillion. Let me give, let me give you guys a real life example. Huh? An institution does not like the creditors' lending terms. They're too predatory. They're too unfavorable. We're the ones who need that money. They move. I'll give you a real life example. It happened in Kenya with Sarkos. Sarkos used to depend on banks for everything, but the, the banks charged too too high of a rate. They were too complex. They were not, you know, the terms for the loans were too predatory. They weren't able to solve the, the measures of the circle. The circle, they said, fuck off. We're moving all our liquidity and creating our own pool. Even hit up okay. the government and told them we're moving because, you know, these, these circles are humongous in Kenya. They hit up the government and they said, we're tired of these predatory practices. We're moving all our capital into our own fund that we're going to, you know, run as a circle. And it will be integrated into the national management system like a banking infrastructure. And that's how circles got and, settled. And now circles lend to each other within that pool. You understand? Mm. It's like and, and, and it's not it's and it's and it's not like Africa doesn't have the capital, bro. We can just say, you know what, fuck all these loans. We'll just lend to each other. Even though we can't lend that much, you lend what you can, you do what you can, you go slowly but surely. Because genuinely, these predatory measures are going to result in imagine being landlocked in your entire continent. Who owns the beach? China. <laughs> China. Your passport has even your passport your passport has even been literally become worthless. Your ID is now Chinese, bro. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 who knows? And you know, even as as things get worse and the debt keeps rising, you start wondering: Do I really want to live in a Zimbabwe of 2020? Do I really want to? I don't. I don't want to be carrying one million bro, to buy bread in a wheelbarrow, bro. Honestly, I mean, not even that. The scariest thing is Zambia, the amount they defaulted, um, it was three euro bonds, amounting to maybe like two billion. And Kenya, if you look at the amount of debt Kenya is in, we're pushing trillions of trillions of shillings at least. So that's tens of billions see? of dollars. You know what's good is that Zambia's GDP is 19 billion. Kenya's is almost 100 billion dollars. Mm, okay. So okay. we have we so have the can, facilities. Can handle to a large amount of... yeah, we can handle a larger amount of debt. But you know one thing I'm tired of is I'm tired of complacency, bro. I'm tired of I think I think you know if you feed in if you feed people complacency for long enough, they'll just forget about it. You know? Mm. Yeah, that's what I really think has happened. Mm-hmm. Because have you been seeing like 
some of the things that are happening in this nation, in this continent, I don't think they'll ever be allowed to see in Europe, bro. How can someone say, a whole government spokesman has said, um, guys need to prepare for hunger. People need to be prepared to fast. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? You said, you said there's going to be a drought, so we're not going to help guys. We're going to learn to prepare for hunger. Do that in Europe. Do that in Europe. Why? Like, we, 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 are, we are so accustomed to being fed mediocrity. Kazana, mediocrity. Kazana, Kazana. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like Kazana. We are always being fed mediocrity, mediocrity, bro. And we've, we've become accustomed to it. We, two billion is stolen a day. It's become, an, it's become okay. Um, two billion per day. Two billion is stolen a day. Twenty million dollars, Ray, is, is, is lost a day. Twenty million USD. It takes ten million USD to be in the top one percent of the world. You understand how much the money you are losing a day, and and guys are just and and every time government is coming at you with more taxes, more taxes, more taxes for what? Mediocrity. We're accepting mediocrity. There's no way somebody is going to collect your taxes and go and squander them. There's no way, and you're going to allow it to happen. It's uncomfortable where you're at because honestly, you have a house. You're linking up with your boys from Yamatoma every weekend. You're going for a drug festival there in Akuro. Yeah, so like, you're I mean, comfortable. We can allow some some solves. You know, obviously, like a 10%, 20% mediocrity. Fine. You can't allow 100% mediocrity. But how can you allow a clown to fly a plane? No, can't. <laughs> no, no, you can't, bro. You know, eventually, yeah, the plane, you know, you'll take off, you'll go, you'll chill in the sky, but eventually the plane will have to land and the clown doesn't land the plane. Mm-hmm. And when, when things are when things me, yeah. when things are now in crisis, now everybody oh when things are in crisis, instead of guys saying in the beginning, yo, why is the pilot a clown? They'll start screaming. They'll start saying, Oh my god, I don't want to die. Oh my god, what the hell, bro? Like shift your you know? focus. Like shift your f- I don't understand, but I guess if guys are comfortable, you know, this is why the smart Africans always leave the continent because they understand one point it will collapse and the collapse will be violent. No, but that's sad, bro. That's the fact. Why are people leaving if you are the, you're the only one in the position to help the continent? You've met you've met other people on this continent, Ray. They okay, don't yeah, want yeah. to be helped. That's true. Okay, but then the thing is, you know, people might not realize that they need help until you actually show them the problem. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to educate guys that, yeah, this situation in it's serious and the continent is being fucked over. So you actually need to get to a point where people see a value in coming back and helping the continent. Because nobody's going to come and do charity, give you $20 billion, repair your country. No, there has to be some sort of incentive for an investor to come in and put that 20 billion, maybe the subsidies, a good investment opportunity. But when there's 2 billion shillings being lost in this country per day, would you as an investor even consider such an investment? 20 million USD, bro. That's a yacht a day. A yacht in Monaco. I go and pack it there. I can buy one every day. Monaco Grand Prix, for real. Like, you know, it's because we've always had 10 billion has been stolen, 20 billion has been yeah, stolen. Become, you, know, you know, people really can't quantify it. But when you really think about the scale of money that's being lost, you know what 20 million dollars could do? Mm. Somebody just convert, um, somebody convert, what's, what's 340 divided by two? What? That's like, uh, Jesus, I'm so shit at math. That is 170. It'll take 170 days. To pay the to repay the SGR loan in full if if you at that rate of two billion a day. 
the number is not like an average. So for example, maybe 100 billion gets lost in January, 200 gets lost in September. So on average- me, you, know, no, no, you know, let me tell you something about, about Africans. Africans, they can slack on anything, but looting, they are 10 uh, toes. <laughs> what do you mean? They are 10 toes, bro. They can slack on anything else, but when it comes to looting, guys are 10 toes. Like, a, a guy can wake up at five o'clock, Ray. He set up the most so complex system job. in the world, bro. Trust, bro. Time, okay. bro. You don't understand, bro. When it comes to shit like that, you get. In fact, the guy even has to do something that measures how much has been looted on that day. It's not just a certain percentage. <laughs> the same way, performance objectives. Performance objectives. If you don't meet your performance objectives from the day, me. you're fine. Gives me, gives me an idea. So now, we're talking about accountability. Yeah, there's a way for us to curb the looting that's going on in the country. But systems of looting. How do you actually manage? Yeah. hold guys accountable, hold these guys in public offices accountable when money is disappearing. Number one. How, how can you track this money? Where is it going? Who's stealing it? Where is it fact, being even taken? Even before to? we reach there, bro, I'm just yeah. going to say that this is the entire... Now I think Kenya is a failed state. Uh, what does that mean? Um, how many people have been... How many people have been arrested, prosecuted for financial mismanagement crimes? How many? Barely, maybe a few black sheep. No, how many? Yeah, how many? But how many cases have there been? A lot. Been so yeah. many cases, but they all. Just and you know out. what's crazy? What's crazy is especially with the last. I'm not really gonna mention one, but for those political players involved, what usually happens is they slightly change the laws just for themselves to get free. Like one of these guys was never yeah. supposed to be able to run. For the girl who's now running for Kisumu governor, I don't even have to mention his name. It's too, much. it's too much. He was never supposed to run for a public office again. He was barred. But guess what? He's banned because of everything. But guess what? They changed. He's back on the Obviously, tickets. bro. And if, if, if people cannot be held accountable for people, if somebody's been caught looting, can't be held accountable, how can you help the guys who's not been caught? You put a system, obviously the whole point is to digitize the system. You'll catch the guy, but the system that's supposed to give the punishment will just yeah, that guy away. System, the system makers are the system. Why are they yeah. breaking this? Uh, I don't yeah, even know. They're, they're turning, stop everything. Yeah. Digitize well, everything. From my, opinion, from my opinion, with the system itself, that sort of accountability system and punishment handing out, it should be made public. So everything should be public record from all the financial mispractice cases, all the fixation yeah, like on financial accounts. You can log on to this platform as a citizen and you can see, okay, politician A stole 20 million this day, he was fined this much. And this is why he's not allowed to run for this. So you know in your mind, okay, this guy is not trustworthy. We can't, we can't trust him with our fines. We can't vote for him, you know. So allowing us, giving the citizens the tools hold these government officials accountable for everything. You want to know no, I'd, thing? I'd like to take us back a bit to that point of the mm. most educated Africans leaving the continent, you see, in search for better yeah. opportunities. I think that's the most backward thinking ever. I'm sorry to say that, but people who go and mm. educate themselves well then come here and find it difficult to make something out of it. You know, and they're like, you know, I'd so rather true. go take my time elsewhere. I feel like, you know, to some extent, of course, you paid student loans and things like that. But, yeah, instead of contributing mm -hmm. to the solution, you're just running away from it. 
You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, obviously. Like, I was watching yeah. Look at it from Arsenal. It was highlighting that Africa is the way it is because for generations after generations, families have put it in the children to say that, look, you need to study well here. I'll take you abroad. You need to study well there. You need to find a good job there because that's what the social security and all these things, you see. So instead of, so instead of coming back here to advance the continent, you know, your home, instead of coming to paint the house, you want to go and paint someone else's right. mansion. You let, understand? Let, let me give you, let me give you another perspective on that. Um, obviously, you know, people make decisions for their own personal lives. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a whole this is now just the, the this is the usual case study i'm going to give you a case study of somebody who went to harvard harvard talking harvard nigga went to harvard came back to kenya came back to kenya applied for a job and they were told you overqualified number two another person went to another uni actually. another guy goes to uni gets his degree comes back Let's say you have a tech degree, not even a, t- a tech degree, yeah, or a finance degree, you want to go and become a banker. Okay. You come to Kenya. You start your job at a, you know, at an entry-level job at a bank. In a, an analyst, an analyst whatever. Yeah. In a country, mm-hmm. in a country where I don't know, maybe the revenue of every comp- of most companies is growing 10% a year. You know, okay. most of the real opportunity that you study is for is not there. In fact, most of the your financial the products you're even selling are way below what you learned at uni, you know? And then it becomes... Uh, so you feel like you're not using the maximum then, potential you have. And then what you realize is you're working so hard, but the future you want to build is not... It's, is, it's, looking, it's yeah. looking so uncertain. Why would you want to have your entire... And you've, gone to, you've worked hard, you've studied for your whole degree, you've come back here, you've seen there's a guy who's yeah, about to put your country right. into a debt trap. He's about to make your entire world <laughs> worthless. Why wouldn't I just leave this country, go and work at PwC, Get a six-figure yeah, salary you know, and forget about so all this easy. stress. Yeah. It's so easy okay. for someone out yeah. there to get a job there. So take, for example, Canada. Yeah, They're even offering students the option to get a work visa for an additional one year. You establish a position in a company in the country. You're set for life over there. You have a steady job. You have a visa, everything. You're set. You have your family settled down there. In the UK, you also have the option, you have the option to work an additional year in the industry and then after that you get an additional work visa so they're encouraging the culture of these young workforces to come and enter the country you've already gotten the education the education is tailored to that very country and so you're educated you're smart you have the work effort you have the drive and there's clear career advancements ahead of you because you can see okay i am likely to gain these three positions in the next six years if I keep working in this company. But in Kenya, you'll be kept down there in the pipeline as long as you're not contributing some sort of chums, some charity. <laughs> it's so hard for you to adapt. Also, another perspective is you, you, shit, have I forgotten war? Um, <laughs> Actually, I have two good. points on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first one is um it's going back to you know people who come here and they're looking for jobs you know the first thing i'm always gonna ask is what's stopping you from starting a private practice you know if there are no jobs why not be the one who's creating them because you're coming to a country where you know there's no jobs but you're hoping to get one you see and there's so many people unemployed so there's 
a large workforce just waiting for you. Uh, before before you even go to your second point for that one, about that one, let's look at now closer Kenya, rural areas, people are coming from the villages to come and look for jobs in Kenya. Isn't that sort of the same situation as us Nairobians going to the UK and US to look for jobs? So you can ask why don't they create the ventures in their own hometowns? Maybe it's because there's not there's no possibility for that. But there's no atmosphere. There's no possibility for them to establish that. You know, like one other reason why I see a lot of people are moving. Just look at the statistics in Kenya, for example. Seventy percent of the youth are unemployed. The, mm-hmm. the 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 main driver of young enterprises, SMEs, in most countries as who the government. True. True. If the government and now even give another example, the government is a, a government is cap. Especially when it comes to youth projects, they're always about the youth and everything and everything, but they don't really lift a finger for the youth. I'll give you an example. Um, I think a year ago there was a guy who got some grant from State House to build some really advanced tech, um, to build some yeah. some ventilators and stuff for you know African ones, much cheaper, much better ones. Yeah, well, and till today, they have not yeah. released a single cent. The the story has so died. And that's not the first person it's happened. It's happened to multiple people. So why would you come when the supporting environment can't support startup business? I'll give you another example. Because of Kenya's stupid economic situation, the only reason people come to Nairobi is because the money isn't circulating anywhere else in the country. Why would I start a business in a place where people don't have money? You know, and then I will call, who's going to buy my products? That's why a lot of you hear a lot of people saying things are overpriced. <laughs> because there is no money. And then the last thing is the business environment is horrible. You guys have done the personal analysis. Look at the political factors in Kenya. Why would I start a business here? The, the tax guys are chasing me every day. The government is making <laughs> business harder for me every day. Look what they've just done to Airbnb people today. They don't consider anybody's options. You're the guy, you're the guy generating the revenue. If they're making it every day harder for you to generate revenue, why would you do it? Why would you stay? Why would you do it? it does, that's like genuinely, it's like they keep shooting themselves in the foot. No, it's because it's short-term gain over long-term. And, and that's why, and you know, especially the, the kind of environment that's needed for startups and young SMEs is not the kind of environment that's here. There's a reason, I'll give you a statistic, 98% of businesses that were funded SME loans collapsed within two years. The, the terms weren't favorable. No, they weren't favorable. The economic situation was just not favorable. The business environment was just not favorable. The ideas were solid. The business environment was horrible. And this is the workings of, who says the business environment? Who says the economic policy? The government. Mm. The treasury. Who, who, like, like genuinely, and, and you know, sometimes I think, I think I, I really need to find out <laughs> who runs some of these institutions because I don't know how you can wake up and you say, right, um, today I feel like I'm just going to, you know, increase the tax, the tax rate, and I'm not going to increase the repayments on any loans I currently have. The fuck are you doing? It's just it doesn't make sense if you look at it from that perspective. But now, even as we as we close and stand, the source man tells us the second the second point. What are you saying? Yeah, my second point was uh, what was it? Oh yeah. Tax incentives, you know, oh. a big part of any successful economy is having good tax incentives. You know, people should be able to come to this country and feel like, just as you've said, they're not being chased down. You see, so I feel like that's another big reason why people see themselves, you know, educating themselves and just staying where they are. And that's actually something that's happened closer to home. 
in my family, my older sister is already I want to chill the way I am. Kenya is an issue. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, so she's already making that decision. Yeah, already. She's like, I'm going to work here for a year, then I'm going to move to Canada. And in all that, I'm not hearing, yeah, I want to come back home at some point. You get, you get what, I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah. It's because she has opportunities out there, yeah. Exactly. Easier to access, higher congregation. Mm-hmm. Ah. And the social side. You know, you know, I think yeah. it's time we stop. We stop, Jen. Right. You've complained. You've said everything. <laughs> the the yeah. answer is quite straightforward. And I think the, the guys who've been in leadership in Africa, them, they don't see straight lines. You understand? Bro, you know, I'd, I'd, seen, I'd, seen, I'd, I'd seen a chart the one day that I was just listing how African countries deal with problems. In Kenya, you give, this was literally Kenya's description. They had said, in Kenya, they'll give you a solution. You'll end up with a problem. <laughs> oh, no cap. What? Yeah, the same way we've been given, we've been given a loan to build some dams to provide electricity. We've lost the money. There's no electricity. There's no dam. Given a solution, there's a problem. How do you create a problem from a solution? Only in Africa. Do we very straightforward. What needs to be done? And the one last thing, as we're finishing, is the main reason why all this shit has been skill gets allowed is now. Like this is a bit rude, but. It's because people are just, I don't even know, this is the best I can describe it. You know the reason why African stock markets are not liquid, they don't move a lot. Oh, wow. You know, the guys who buy, these are the people, this is literally what I was being told by someone anyway. You know, you know, you have your, your, your shareholders, you know? So now, this is now a company, let's say you run a company, this is in the NSC. The guys who are buying your shares, yeah, sadly it's damn money. You know, in 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 the in, in New York, you know, someone will buy your stock. He will be looking at your performance for the last year. Be looking at the performance for the next year. It's better, looking bro. at the ratios. The guy, then the guy will even attend board meetings in in virtual. Oh, in, he'll even ask all his questions, and it's done. In can in Africa, sadly, the guy's going to buy your stock. He'll buy your stock. Yes, obviously, he's done his research a bit. He's bought your stock, but him doesn't. Him he just bought it because it's damn money. He'll come to your office every one year, not to ask who are going with the dividends or who are going with the margins. He'll come to ask you for, where's my umbrella? Where's my merchandise? <laughs> so those are the kind of people who are investing in our companies. Who are the, who, who look at the kind of people who are, that's why more than, a lot of companies on NSC, 50% of their float, even 51% is foreign owned. That's why there's always concerns of takeovers for major farms, like the guys who own EABL. EABL could be taken over very easily. It's it literally the, the I mean, remember when this company bought all the shares, they they could they had the decision to take do a takeover, just decided not to. What they chose you know? not to. they chose not to, and a company is called Diagio Limited. You see, the CEO of Safaricom yeah. used, used to work there now. Oh, okay. so it's a, it's a, it's a European giant of wines, alcoholics, and stuff like that. But anyway, as you can see, if those are the kind of investors that we're having, the kind of that we're having, it's quite simple: build solutions for the future. Mm-hmm. Like solutions educate people more than actually creating a solution because the reason why we create solutions and run into problems instead of <laughs> answers it's because people just don't know what to do with what's been given to them you know mm-hmm. yeah just, i agree said, i agree with you and say, yeah, one number, you know instead of understanding <laughs> like what like, it means like, to like, stock but now it's let me ask you guys for real. Let me genuinely ask you guys as we're finishing. Do you really think there's hope for this continent? Or the guys who can leave, they just leave? I mean, if there is to be hope, you know, the big...
continent is capable of. And then we'll be stuck. You know, can you can you imagine like Ray, you sat down, your content has your life has been yeah, your content has been stolen, bro. Everybody <laughs> is 2030. It's 2030, you're sitting in Kenya, everything is Chinese, bro. You can't even Chinese laws, Chinese Man. everything. Niggas don't even eat no gully anymore, bro. No, the sad thing is, the sad thing is, that's where we're headed. And and you'll be telling stories to people, you'll be like, yeah, you know, there was a time, there was the government of Kenya, there was the Kenyans, GID stream, like, like, like what? And and you know, the thing is... Tell yourself is, I wish. Mm -hmm. I wish, I wish, I wish. Uh Yeah, it's it's like, just I wish, bro. You know. (laughs) Missing opportunities, man. And honestly, yeah. yeah, on that on that note, with all due respect to our East Asian brothers and sisters, your motivation is to try not to be Chinese, man. Keep your country, keep your country Kenyan, keep Africa and, and, African. Uh, we didn't have another episode on this because 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 <laughs> because I am so tired of um, just Africans in general not realizing their self worth. You understand, mm-hmm. like you understand trends. Yeah. Somebody will rather yeah. buy Jordans than buy an African-made mm-hmm. brand. So it's, people shun African-made things. Oh my days, man! <laughs> Why you? That's, that's a whole another conversation anyway, for another moment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we, we'll niggas have been brainwashed, and they have to wake up. It's true. And I don't know if you guys will wake up. You, you know, guys can think yes, we're capping, but. If this just know if this shit ever goes sideways, that's we already have contingency plans. That's will be out will be laughing at you guys from wherever we are. <laughs> because for sure, facts, me there's no day I don't wake up that. and I don't think about shit. This thing, mm-hmm. man, when is this going to crash? It's a ticking time bomb. It's a ticking time the bomb. African bubble, bro. The African bubble. Diffusers, you know. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, there's no better way to end it than by that little mini rant. Um, honestly, real quick, big, big thanks to Bossman Stan El Chapo for joining us on Void Media. We're gonna have a lot more episodes with him coming forward. Just on all Hello, social Bossman. media platforms, talking all, all the knowledge. Platforms. That's the whole point of media. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna we... catch us on YouTube now, we're gonna be expanding to different platforms. And you we've heard your cries, guys. We're coming, we're gonna provide. So, yeah, on that note. Big thanks, man. If you want to get some more financial knowledge, boss man Stan, he has the financial plug. Plug your blog over here real quick. Yes, sir. So, RG. That's simcapital.org. It's its full name is Simori Capital. And what we deal with is financial algorithms, financial education. We have a blog that blogs about both local and international news relevant to any financial markets. So if you're looking for information or would like to join us as affiliates, you'd like to buy some of our products, you're welcome. It's an open door policy. Educate yourself. Get on that. And with that, I'd like to close. So thank you for listening. Tune in for the rest of season three. And see you guys later, man. Yes, sir. Nice, man.